What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Lockdown Blazers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today is another edition of the Lockdown Blazers Countdown to Training Camp. We're dedicating a full episode to every player in the Blazers roster and giving you a brief but thorough look at what they'll bring to the Blazers. We'll look at how they performed last season, how they wound up on the Blazers. We'll talk about best case and worst case scenarios for the upcoming year and finish the episode with a discussion of expectations and likely role. This is our 10th installment of the Countdown to Training Camp. So if you've missed any, check your podcast feed. You can catch up. Season starts in two weeks. Now's the time to do it. So today, for number 10, we're talking Anthony Tolliver. So strap in as we discuss the pride of Kickapoo High School's 2018-19 season. Shout out to Kickapoo High School in Missouri. Shout out to Anthony Tolliver, a savvy vet who the Blazers signed to a one-year deal because that's what he's been doing for a while, signing one-year deals with teams. He did it last year when he signed a one-year deal with the Minnesota Timberwolves. He averaged five points for the T-Wolves, shot 38% from the floor, 37% from three, grabbed 2.7 boards in 16.6 minutes in 65 games last season. No starts. All of his appearances were off the bench. That's kind of who he is. Tolliver, though, was part of the rotation early with the Timberwolves. He appeared in Minnesota's first 14 games, playing just shy of 20 minutes a night off the bench. Uh, He scored in double figures 13 times all last season, and four of them came during that opening month when he was part of the plan as uh, backup power forward, as bench depth, on a team that had, well, by the time the season started, they were in total chaos in Minnesota, but heading into the the season, when he signed, a team that had playoff-type aspirations. Uh, Obviously, Jimmy Butler demanding a trade and all those things that he did in October to kind of sabotage the Wolves before their season really started um, hurt the entire team, Tolliver included. But he still, early on, was part of the rotation. And then he kind of wasn't after the opening month. And after Tolliver slipped out of the rotation, he was pretty much just gone. That was it. From November 14th to December 31st, he appeared in just eight of the T-Wolves' 23 games. And that's probably even a generous description of his contributions during that time. In two of those games, he played less than seven seconds. Uh, Both both situations, he was dusted off for the final offense possession as the extra shooter in the final seconds of a close game. He literally, in both those games, literally played one offensive possession. One, one of those situations, the game ended. He played one possession. The other one, he was subbed out, offensive or defense sub, after missing a three. That was it. That was his entire contribution in those two games. So to say he played an eight of 23 is more like he played in parts of, parts of eight. Six games and then two little cameos. During that same stretch, though, the middle of November to the end of December, he... Topped the seven-minute mark just once. He just wasn't part of the plan. And in the the one time he did top the seven-minute mark is when the T-Wolves beat the Spurs by 39. As a side note, today I learned that last November, the Timberwolves beat the Spurs by 40. Yikes. But after the Wolves traded away Jimmy Butler, reconfigured the roster, added a couple new parts, Tolliver was just... He was gone, and that's what happened during this six-week stretch, is that the T-Wolves had added Dario Saric, they 
added Robert Covington and they still had other bigs on the roster like Taj Gibson, Gibson and Gorgie Jang, who were just all ahead of him in, in the pecking order. Tolliver is a specialist and for that stretch, the T-Wolves just really didn't need his specialty. But Covington got hurt right at the end of December. And Tolliver was reintroduced to the rotation in early January. He appeared in 43 of the Wolves' final 45 games. He was back. I mean, as, as back as he could be. But during that stretch, the, final, the second half of the season, the final 45 games, he averaged 5.4 points, 3.1 rebounds, and about 18 minutes a night. And he was doing what he does. Shooting almost exclusively threes and making them at an above-average clip. He shot 37.1% over the final 40 five games from deep his season high on the year came in the that same second half stretch when he had 17 points at milwaukee hit five threes that night and grabbed five boards but that was also the night when his season highlight came and you can google anthony Tolliver block and find this immediately uh he Giannis Antetokounmpo, the bucks mvp posting up on Lil dang spins past him goes to dunk Giannis led the league in dunks by just a, a monster amount last year. Just he, he dunked more than some NBA teams. And yet, there was Anthony Tolliver, age 33 at the time, rotating from the weak side and getting a clean block, meeting the MVP at the rim. This is usually the part where I play you that audio, but unfortunately for both of us, particularly the content creator talking to you on the microphone right now, the call just isn't that good. Wolves broadcast was so surprised by Tolliver getting the block, they didn't even identify him. They just kind of said, oh, and then later went back to uh, on the highlight and, and gave him his due when they, when they showed the replay in the broadcast. Beyond that highlight, though, Tolliver's season in Minnesota was mostly unremarkable. And I don't know if I mean that as an insult. I think I just mean it as a truth. That's kind of who he is. He's steady, the type of steady that's heading into his 12th NBA season. Um, if he was remarkable, he'd be a different player. And if he wasn't steady, he wouldn't be in the league. He's both those things. And that's why the Blazers signed him to a vet minimum deal. They probably just appreciate his steadiness and appreciate that uh, he's still doing what he does in his 12th season. So that's what I want to talk about in the third segment is... What's the best case for Anthony Tolliver in his first full season with the Blazers? And what's the worst case, Anthony Tolliver, in his first full season with the Blazers? But before we get there, I want to tell you guys about Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon is better than what you're wearing right now. And for 20% off your first order, visit Mac Weldon and enter the promo code LOCKED ON. That's L O C K E D O N. Mac Weldon, y'all, check it out. Okay, so we talked Anthony Tolliver's 2018-19 year in review. He made some threes. He blocked Giannis Antetokounmpo. He provided some minutes for a team that struggled. But we aren't talking about last year anymore. Now we're talking best case and worst case scenarios. Uh, I like to start this segment by explaining that these are the best case scenario within reason and the worst case scenario without injuries. Try to keep all those of these are Polar predictions, you know, what is the, the far end of the spectrum and the and the other end of the spectrum, these are still realistic predictions or realistic thoughts about what a player might provide for the Blazers. The best case scenario is that Anthony Tolliver is ready when he's called upon. 
He's a career 37.6% three-point shooter. And the 34-year-old is still around the league because he's got a coveted skill. And it's one that travels and it ages. Over 80% of his shot attempts were threes last year. 83% of his attempts. It's not a secret what he's around to do. So the best case for Tolliver in his first full season in Portland is that when Terry Stotts looks down the bench and calls on the veteran, so Tolliver's ready to shoot and knocks down threes at a high level. It's hard for me to say that he's going to do much more than that. You know, he's, he's averaged less than three and a half rebounds per game in his career. He's not a guy who passes the ball very much, like, at a really high level. He shoots. So the best case for Anthony Tolliver is that when they call his name, he's ready to shoot and ready to be power forward size at the time. The other best case scenario for Tolliver is that all the things that people think that Pau Gasol is going to bring to the team are actually true of Anthony Tolliver. People tend to point to stars as mentors and role models, but for me, it's the Tollivers of the world, role players who've had to adapt in a variety of situations that can really offer sagely wisdom, particularly to guys on the end of the bench who might have to stick in the league by following a similar path that Tolliver did. Tolliver, more so perhaps than an all-star turned veteran role player, knows what it's like to have to be a good locker room presence and a good teammate to stick around. There wasn't ever a point where he could rely on his basketball skills to trump his people skills. No one was keeping Anthony Tolliver on the team because he was so, so good and a jerk. He had to be both, pretty good and nice enough to get along with. So the best case for Tolliver is that during some of that time he spends on the Blazers bench watching games and in the practice facility that he imparts some useful wisdom on the younger players, whether that's you know, how to get away with an illegal screen, or just how to space better, or any number of things, what to pack on a long road trip, the type of things that you learn by playing on eight NBA teams in 12 seasons. Tolliver has seen a lot, and the best case for him is that he can tell the Blazers' younger players what it's like to have seen a lot during an NBA career. The worst case for Tolliver is that this is the end of the line. At age 34 and his 12th season in the NBA, his jumper, which is already essentially his only NBA skill, just doesn't ever arrive in Portland. He can't get free to get it off, and the few opportunities he gets, he fails to cash in for whatever reason. The worst case for Tolliver is that he just simply isn't an answer for the Blazers at power forward. That's a larger issue for the team because I've identified several times on this podcast that Power forward might be their thinnest position. So if Tolliver isn't an answer, it means the Blazers have to go small a bunch, relying on Rodney Hood or Mario Hazonia to back up Zach Collins or throwing Scalabissier in there to play a bunch. Because the veteran that the Blazers signed ahead of him in Tolliver just doesn't have it. Or it forces the Blazers to identify a weakness and go you know, sign a free agent or make a trade. Shake up the roster because Tolliver, a guy that they thought could be an answer in July, isn't an answer in November or February. The worst case for Anthony Tolliver is probably the worst case for a lot of guys roughly his age and his experience level is that sometime your your basketball skills run out. And the worst case for Tolliver is that they run out now. 
Now we've reached what I like to call caveat corner, where after I gave you the best case and worst case scenarios, I kind of couch those predictions because what's a good podcast without uh, relatively lukewarm takes that are then explained in context? That's why you're here, right? But uh, seriously, though, the caveat with the sort of polarities usually is that this player will land somewhere between the best case scenario and the worst case scenario. But for me, perhaps of all the role players on this team, Tolliver's best case and worst case scenario seem incredibly narrow. The difference in him being ready to step in in a relatively small role and shoot versus him being able to not being able to play a relatively small role on the on this team seems like pretty thin. The margin is there's not that much difference in can Anthony Tolliver give you six minutes and can Anthony Tol- Anthony Tolliver can't give you six minutes. There's no best case scenario for Tolliver where he's playing 25 minutes a night. Well, it could be the best case for him, but it's certainly not the best case for this Blazers team. The best case scenario, like I said, is that he's kind of just ready to play a little. And the worst case scenario is that he's not ready to play a little. And the difference between those two poles, more so than other players, which would maybe force the Blazers to make a trade or realize that, you know, they just don't have the depth that maybe they thought they had. It's just not true for Tolliver. If he's no good, it's not that big of a deal. And if he's really good, like if Tolliver has a great season... It only can impact so much. If he shoots 48% from three and knocks down three a game in limited minutes, he'll be really useful, but he also scored nine points a night. A lot of times I spend this uh, caveat corner telling you that even if CJ McCollum doesn't make an all-star team, that he'll still be a pretty good player. But instead, I'm just telling you Tolliver will either be a role player or he won't. And... The difference in those two things just won't be that drastic. What I want to talk about to close this podcast, close this episode, is what is realistic for Tolliver? We kind of know what he does, but in the context of this Blazers roster, considering who he's competing with for minutes and all those things, what is a realistic expectation? for Tolliver in his first full season with the Blazers. Mind you, he played two whole games for the Blazers back during the uh, back during December of 2009 when he played four random minutes for the Blazers across two games <laughs> and then got sent home. So yeah, first full season. What does it look like for Anthony Tolliver? That's what we'll talk about in the final segment. All right, still locked on Blazers, still Mike Richmond. Still talking Anthony Tolliver. We talked about his 2018-19 season, what he gave to the T-Wolves. We talked about the best case and worst case scenarios for the Blazers. But when you think about what he can offer, what is realistic for a guy of his skill set and his age? And for me, I mean, I've already spoiled this early in the podcast, but for me, it's straightforward. He is a backup power forward. He is a role player. He is a guy who plays limited minutes. On a big night, Tolliver plays 22. Uh, you know, when they really need him and he's really got it going, you see 22 minutes from Anthony Tolliver. But 
on most nights it's a DNP from watching or it's 12 minutes if he's part of the rotation that night. He's not a guy who's going to play his way into a major role. He's either going to play his way into a minor role or he's not going to play at all. And I think the big question is, is he going to play at all? Is he part of the plan? And I think right now, as I'm recording this in the middle of September, two weeks before training camp opens and six weeks or so before the Blazers regular season tips off, I kind of think Anthony Tolliver is on the edge. I think he's going to compete with Mario Hazonia for the ninth spot in the rotation. I think most of the things are locked in. The obvious ones, Dame, CJ, Rodney Hood, Zach Collins, Hassan Whiteside. The the starters are set. Uh, I guess there's maybe some vague uncertainty about Rodney Hood, but not for me. That he's going to play, and he's going to start at a three. So then off the bench, you've got a couple guarantees. Anthony An- Simons is a guarantee. Camp Bazemore is a guarantee. I think early in the season, Pau Gasol is a guarantee. He didn't come here not to play. I think those eight guys are a guarantee. So then it's what happens with nine and ten. Traditionally, Terry Stotts hasn't liked to go to 10 guys. That's just not his MO. It's not how he gets down. And I don't know if there's a lot of good options for him to go 10 deep. I don't think Nazir Little, particularly in early in the season, is going to be an option to go 10 deep. I don't really see Gary Trent Jr. as necessarily an option to go there. Uh, obviously, Yusuf Nurkic is hurt. And Scalabasier strikes me as not a great fit coming off the bench. Um, it would slide down, I guess you slide down Hazonia to the, to the three and play, uh, that five man unit, but that doesn't strike me as a, as something that they would do. So I, I think it's a nine man rotation. It's something that Stotts has mostly been comfortable with throughout, um, his tenure with the Blazers, unless that nine ten spot is up for grabs, kind of like in the, uh, Pat Connaughton, Shabazz Napier mold, or when Mo Harkless and Gerald Henderson were kind of battling for those minutes. So I think what Tolliver comes into camp as is a vet who's competing with a younger veteran, a much younger veteran, and Mario Zonia for that ninth spot, for who's going to play power forward. And it might not get decided sort of like this is our ninth guy always 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 I think that spot could be fluid I think the other eight spots are set in stone essentially obviously they'll change with injuries and and effectiveness and all those things but I think those eight guys you can lock in and say they're going to play every night I think the ninth spot is in question and Anthony Tolliver figures in some major way into that question Can Mario Hazonia play power forward? Can he play power forward every single night off the bench against every single roster? Does he match up there? And if he doesn't, is Tolliver a three-point shooting specialist who's not small, but he's not big, it's 6'8", 6'9", is he the the correct choice? Like I said, the Blazers don't have a ton of options at power forward. So behind Zach Collins, it it gets slim fast. 
Tolliver is certainly going to compete in training camp for that spot. My prediction is that Azonia wins it early, Tolliver gets it back in November, and they kind of just bounce back and forth for a lot of the season. At some point, I think the best case scenario for the Blazers is that Hazonia, the 24-year-old, is ready to be that guy, not the 34-year-old Tolliver, because you would hope that the future includes guys south of 25, not closing in on 35. But my other like realistic role for Tolliver is that he still got it. And by got it, I mean the thing that he does, he can still do. Like, I think you can call an Anthony Tolliver in small moments, or my expectation is that you can call an Anthony Tolliver in certain moments and say, hey, we need a guy who can hit a pick and pop three, or we need a big who can space to the opposite corner, and when the ball comes to you, you're ready to shoot it and make it. He has a long track record of being a good shooter. Hazonia doesn't have that. He's got more skills and more question marks. Tolliver isn't a question mark. He has some deficiencies. He's uh, kind of like a right place type of defender, but not a good defensive player. Like I said, not much of a playmaker, not a big rebound guy, rebounder type guy. But he can shoot and he can play the four. That might mean on some nights he's the answer. And I, like I said, my expectation is that he'll still be able to shoot it. It ain't going anywhere. Dude shot 37% for more than a decade in the league. I expect he'll still have that. Now, whether that translates into outright becoming the backup power forward or becoming a situational type shooter remains to be seen. But my expectation is that he's still got his limited st- skill set is still as sharp as it was last season and as sharp as it was two years ago when he was a pretty good little role player for Detroit. Like, when he, like, averaged nine points a game and played about 22 minutes a night, I don't think that level of contribution is there minutes-wise, but maybe the production in a slightly smaller dose is there. That's why you sign veterans, because their variance is relatively low. You kind of know what you're getting with Tolliver. Whereas Hazonia is a super huge wild card, Tolliver is a specific, predictable vet off the bench. That's all I got on the pride of Kickapoo High School and a recent addition to the Creighton University Hall of Fame. Thanks for listening to 20-some minutes on Anthony Tolliver. I really appreciate you guys. If this is your first Lockdown Blazers, thank you so much for listening. If you are a regular listener who makes this part of your daily routine, Thank you so much for listening. Either way, or if you're in the middle of those two types of listeners, tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can find it on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Tell them that the season starts in two weeks and real basketball is coming. And this is a great place to go to listen to real basketball talk. We got more of these player profiles coming out. Four left. I appreciate you guys listening. Talk to you soon.